There's Lizzo there and special. You're listening to Radio Bath. It's Richard Bovesan here until midday today. So my guest today is Stephen Nortrup. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Richard. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Come good. closer to the microphone oh, okay. for me. No there worries. We, go. we can hear you then. Well, thank you for inviting me in today. That's okay. Not a problem at all. I'm just going to do the strange thing. I need to shut the window. I've realised I've left the window open and I can hear all the car noises. It's it's a lovely sunny day today, and I thought I'll leave the window open, but uh, but yeah, I'll bit sort noisy. that out. No bit, worries. Bit noisy indeed. So, uh, so yeah, tell us about yourself. How long have you been an estate agent for then? Oh, my goodness. It, um, about 14 years I've been selling houses. So I actually started off selling new build properties for some of uh, the country's biggest house builders. Okay. And then uh, came to a little lull in that, so moved into a estate agency in Bradford-on-Avon, I've been back to new builds and and now come back to a state agency again. So I've been sort of flipping and flopping between the two, the two different forms of house selling. And how is it how is it different being a normal estate agent to selling new houses? Then, well, when you're an estate agent, you're you, you've got two sides to the coin. So you're you're selling for the person who is selling their house, but you've also got to look after the customer. Whereas when you're selling a new build. You are the person selling the house, so you've only got to look after the customer. Okay. So it's, it's a slightly different point of view, but it's, it's basically very similar. Yeah, that's fair enough. And um, so, yeah, you've worked for, How long have you been at Estate Agent Forcer? I missed that 14. Bit. 14 years. Yeah. Blimey. What did you do before then? Oh, goodness. I've been a chauffeur. I've sold wine. Um, I've done DJing. I've done all sorts. Well, what type really. of DJing then? Oh, oh so weddings, parties, <laughs> bar mitzvahs, funerals, you know, that sort of thing. I was remember doing, uh, doing DJing in the sergeant's mess. I was in the RAF for a while. Mm. And uh, the hardest thing for me was that uh, the rule that we had is that as long as there was somebody dancing, I had to keep playing music, which meant that as the night went on, we'd have like 200 people at a big event and I'd be DJing and it'd be rocking the place down. It'd be great night. And then eventually people started drifting off and the dance floor would get quieter and quieter. And eventually there's like two people left and you're there playing going, please go home <laughs> just go home they're there just smooching on the dance floor and you think right what's the worst song i can play to make them go home so there's uh, definitely an art form to killing the disco when you want to go home yeah. oh yeah it's just as you say it's just choosing <laughs> choosing records which which you just don't think anyone could dance to i remember once um putting on pink floyd dark side of the moon from beginning to end because that's people, a long song people literally would not go home <laughs> and i thought well, okay i'll play something i enjoy <laughs> i do remember once doing a, uh, a wedding disco and uh the the bride and groom had their list of songs that they wanted me to play uh but one of them was was talking about not being very nice to the, somebody's grandmother mm. um it was quite a heavy type of song and there was their grandmother sat in the front row of the kind of around the dance floor i thought i can't play that and they're like we want you are playing this song um so i had to play it and the grandmother just sat there very uh, strangely uh, i played a bit of kylie minogue afterwards i think just to kind of <laughs> ease the mood a little yeah. bit but um but yeah so going on to estate agency then uh, we'll talk about your new company a bit later which mm. uh, which i know is why you're here today in the main but um i'm gonna ask you a really difficult question to start with actually so how do you feel about the image of estate agents so lots of people think of estate agents as being villains so mm. how do you feel about that i, I mean with some of the people I've worked for in the past, a long time ago, you can kind of understand where that comes from. I think it is changing. I think um, I think people do underestimate the work that the estate agent does. I think in their minds, it's um, putting a house on the market and then unlocking doors and letting people in and then people will buy it. Yeah. And, and there's a lot more to it. You've got to present the house to, to the, its absolute best. You know, you've got to try and turn a pig's ear into a, a silk purse sometimes. Yep. Um, you've got to persuade people to come and have a look. It's not, not every house is everybody's dream home. And then once they've had a look at it, you've then got to negotiate the price and keep everybody happy. And then once it's sold, you've got a whole string of legal hurdles to jump over to actually bring the sale to, to the point of completion. And... Um, You've got to remember, a majority of estate agents don't get paid anything until the property completes. Yeah. So if it falls down at any point, if, if, if anybody withdraws from the purchase or the sale, then the estate agent has spent a lot of time and money getting it to that point and doesn't get anything. So, um, 
you know, solicitors, they get paid regardless, but estate agents don't. So, I mean, I'm not expecting violins to be playing at the moment, <laughs> but it's not quite as easy as people think. No, I mean, a really good friend of mine's an estate agent, and I know she does an amazing job. Uh, and I know that she's helped a lot of people get the houses that they want. Um, and I suppose it's kind of the, the role of the estate agent, really, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's helping people move on in their lives to the next stage, whatever that is. The vendor wants to buy something else um, and maybe needs something bigger. And then you've got a first-time buyer who, who wants to buy their first property or, or somebody who's just having a family, lived in a small house, but now need a larger property. So it is just helping people move on. So I'm guessing the ideal solution or the ideal scenario is that uh, somebody's got a house to sell and somebody's got all the money and they've sold their house and it's just a straightforward purchase. So That's beautiful when it happens, but that is quite rare. What is the worst scenario then? The worst scenario is somebody who desperately wants to buy your house, but they've got a house which needs to sell and their house seems to be fairly... A- unsaleable and what makes it unsaleable then oh there's all sorts of factors um there's i mean it could be built on a floodplain it could be you know um it, they might have pets and pets have kind of taken over the house they might be hoarders there's all sorts of factors you know people as i say people outgrow their houses and sometimes they keep on buying stuff and that house gets fuller and fuller and less and less saleable so there's all sorts of things which make houses some houses difficult to sell well in the next link what i'd love to talk about actually more than anything else is tips on how to sell a house and that'd be a really interesting thing to do because i know a good friend of mine is uh, in the process of buying and selling a house as well Mm. and uh, i know their house sale has fallen through a number of times as well so Mm. uh so yeah maybe there's something they're doing yeah. that they could do slightly differently. Okay. So, uh, I'll so, be yeah. happy to have to do it, actually. We'll talk about that after this. Cool. I think it's time to let it die. Right, so we're back with Steve then. It's the story to tell. That's the segment of the show that we talk about. So uh, we're going to talk now about how to buy a house and also how to sell a house and some of the best tips that you can have. So um, I'm going to start off with trying to sell a house. So what would be your best tips on trying to sell a house? Yeah, I think the first thing to remember is that you're not really selling reality. People sort of go, oh, this is how I live. This is this is this is. this is how my home is but you 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 are selling an exaggerated version of that so you've got to you've got to make sure it's tidy i think that's the first thing um if you do have cats or whatever i think empty litter trays because the worst thing is is a litter tray well i know the principle that um the human body can't tell more than or if it's less than 10 percent change the human body can't tell about it so that comes into temperature it goes into smell so if you're living with something unless that changes by more than 10 percent, you can't tell so mm. lots of people that live in a house full of cats or dogs they can't tell that it smells mm. um you then walk in and go oof yes yeah and, and that does happen quite often you've got to you've got to pluck up courage to sometimes mention mention these things before the viewings happen so <clears throat> yeah that, that's um uh, an area of tactfulness which is required i think things like the washing up being done um it's it's often very difficult because sometimes the estate agent will land a, a viewing on you at the last moment and you know the washing up's not being done people people tend to leave the breakfast washing up until the evening whereas that doesn't look great when visitors come into the house um it's it's just it, it, lighting it's always good to keep some lights on or some mood lights on candles to give that nice cozy aroma what about the classic of baking bread yes it, i mean <laughs> baking bread or, or or freshly made coffee does it it does work the, you know the the, the 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 nasal factor is is quite a strong a strong one when it comes to people first going into a house so yeah i mean the supermarkets do it It, you walk into a supermarket and you can smell baked bread even though the bread the bakery is (laughs) at the opposite end of the store so yes it works in a house as well and what's the worst things you can do then so obviously you mentioned about not being very tidy but uh but what else um i think putting your property on for too much money is okay. going to be the the the, the, the main factor because so that, that lends a center how do you value a property then you're the estate agent you go right. around 
how do you say this property is worth X amount? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a, a curious science. You obviously you do a lot of homework before you turn up. You get an idea of what the property might be worth. You look at whatever houses in the area have sold for. You, um, you there's various tools you can go onto online which will give you a rough idea of pricing i mean most people know about zoopla zoopla tends to be wildly wrong okay. but it gives you an indication so you you put together a lot of stats as to what you believe the house will be worth but until you actually walk inside the door you don't know if those stats are gonna hold up or be completely incorrect so um there's a there's a gut feeling as well you know you go in if you think I mean, I go in. I think, what would what would I pay for it if okay. I were if I were looking to buy a home at a moment? What would I pay for it, and what do I think other people would pay for it? If it's absolutely fabulous, you know, you might be your your figures could be wrong. If it's going to be a you know, a slightly harder sale, then maybe you've got to draw it back a little bit, and then you've got to talk with a customer, and you, there's an element of negotiation with with uh, with the vendors to what they're hoping to sell it for what they need to sell it for to buy their next property yeah. um it always becomes a factor and, and and there's a a bit of give and take on that if you go in for way too much money then you're not going to get anyone through the door if it's too low then you're going to be inundated with offers but that's not a bad thing either because then you get to the, the dreaded best and final offer, which uh, I think is what gives estate agents so bad name. Tell me about the best and final offer. I, I'll be honest, it's not a phrase I've heard particularly. Okay, so. so you've got several people who have come in, liked a property, want to buy it. They've all made an offer of, sort, of, of, of some sort. The vendor then has to decide which of those people they're going to accept the offer of. Now, sometimes... Sometimes vendors will look beyond the money. They'll look at the, the, the buying position of each customer. But it still tends to come down to the, the money and how much they are going to, to pay. So you go back to each person who's offered. And, and rather than getting into a bidding war, which is really uncomfortable. Is that like a zumping, is it? Yeah. yeah. We, we don't like doing that anymore. So what we do is we give every person who's made the offer a chance to make a best and final offer. Okay. And, and it's a one-off. So they can't, you know, if somebody else then goes higher than them, they can't come back and say, oh, well, I'll go mm. an extra thousand or whatever. So they make their best and final offer. It's like a sealed bid. Yeah. And then we present those best and final offers to the vendor, and the vendor makes the decision as to which of those they would prefer to accept and obviously we advise based on the buying positions if there's a short chain if someone's a cash buyer these things are are important because chains can collapse yep um so yeah that's how it that's how it works okay so let's let's go for the scenario that i'm thinking about selling my house yeah um what things are going to make my house more valuable so is changing a bathroom to a modern type of bathroom going to make it more valuable is adding a conservatory going to get the money back um kitchens for instance dining rooms that type of thing i think all of those things help to sell it i think a conservatory anything major outlay I think you've got to be doing it for yourself. Okay. If you put a conservatory on, it might cost you twelve, fifteen thousand. I think the value back once you sell the property is less than that. So it's probably going to add eight, ten thousand onto the property rather than the full amount you've paid for it. So on that level, it's not a wise investment. If it's for yourself, then it's brilliant, and it will make that property much more saleable. People will remember the house with a lovely conservatory. Mm. Kitchens. Um, if you're if you've got a rundown kitchen and you're planning on selling, I would probably advise you not to completely change your kitchen just to sell it, because you put in a, a, a lovely new kitchen. You're probably going to put in a slightly cheaper kitchen because you're just doing it to sell, and then people come around and say, "Well, it's a lovely new kitchen, but we don't actually like it." But they feel guilty about tearing out a brand new <laughs> brand kitchen. New kitchen. <laughs> so sometimes that can mean they actually don't end up buying a property because they don't like the kitchen but they don't feel that they could tear it out and i suppose they're then going to have to spend three to ten thousand pounds putting a new kitchen in as well so yes. they add that onto the price so yeah. you spent three to five thousand pounds putting in a kitchen which is then not actually going to sell your house yeah so, po possibly yeah i mean if you're going to 
change your kitchen and the bathroom, I would say do up the whole house. If you're going to do up the whole house, make the whole house upgraded to sell, then you're selling it almost like a new build, and then it will work. But if you're just going to do little bits, um, I, I, I would go careful of spending too much money. But decor, I think, is quite important, and, and flooring is quite important. If your carpets are shocking, but I think it's best to to replace them. Okay, so kind of do the surface stuff rather than the deep stuff. Yeah, I, I would say to make it a sellable property rather than thinking about you know all the structural mm. things. So, I mean, the danger, of course, is that when people are going round, they go, oh, "It needs a new bathroom," and they say, oh, "That's going to cost us fifteen thousand. Yeah. Whereas a bathroom doesn't cost fifteen thousand. A bathroom probably costs eight or 9,000 mm. or, or even less if you can do it mostly yourself. Yeah. Um, so, so there is a, a, another side to that coin. It's, it's a really difficult balancing act and all we can do is discuss it and advise. <laughs> but if you're selling a half million pound house, I think it has to be nicely presented. If you're selling a 250,000 pound house, it, people expect to go in and have to do a little bit of work. Okay, so that's on the selling side of it. What about the buying side? What tips have you got for buyers out there? Um, I would look at the street that you're buying on, perhaps even go there of an evening, have a look, see see what the atmosphere is like in the street, whether you're going to be happy there. It's always very difficult to work out you know, until you actually move into a place. But just get a feel for the area, what facilities, what amenities there are in the area, whether your family's going to be happy there. Um, look at the sort of the trajectory of property prices as well how they're doing although more important than price is definitely your your happiness once mm. you once you move in um whether when you do move in whether you want to do work or whether you you know you think you're going to do work but actually you genuinely want to just live in the house and do the work in your own time there's there's all sorts of factors to take into consideration and that that depends on the individual some individuals absolutely live and die to do diy Mm. and some of them it is an absolute chore i mean for me it would be an absolute chore in all honesty (laughs) i know when we moved into our house we uh, they had pelmet curtains right throughout the house which we weren't a fan of and made the whole house really dark and when we first went in there we're like oh it's really dark we don't really like it very much and thankfully i I could see past it and kind of look at it and go well if you take those down then it'll be quite light Mm. and uh, yeah we ripped them all out and uh, it's it's a lovely house we're very fortunate to to live in it but um but i suppose the lighting as you say is quite difficult so it's it's looking past what you see sometimes it is it's using your imagination trying to put yourself into the property and this is where it comes back to clutter etc within a house the more cluttered it is the busier it is the harder it is for the buyer to come in and insert their own personality into it mentally as they walk around so how do you feel about um the kind of the two different ways of doing it so an estate agent showing somebody around or the vendor themselves showing somebody around what's your thoughts on that i think i think you'll get a much better viewing if the estate agent does do the job for you okay um the problem the problem with showing the people around yourself is the british public to their credit, are very polite <laughs> and, and will effuse about thing, the property as they go around it with the vendor. I get it when I go around and if the vendor's there, then I get the customer being very polite. They're very lovely about it. They, they talk about how, how gorgeous a property is. And, and the vendors stood there thinking, my goodness, these people love the house. They're going to buy it. I know they're going to buy it. Yeah, yeah. And then we get outside the house and they slate it. And they tell me exactly what they thought of it. I've then got to go back to the vendor and say, it wasn't for them. They didn't like it. Yeah. But they loved it. <laughs> they didn't love it. No. <laughs> it's, it's always very... It's, and obviously, you have to be diplomatic on these occasions. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it is best for the agent to do reviewing and a vendor not to be there if at all possible. Okay. I mean, I suppose the advantage of the vendor being there is that they can tell you about the local area and about what the neighbours are like, which the estate agent can't. I love a vendor being there for a second viewing. Okay. When, when the first viewing, you, you, you sift out the people who really don't like it, don't want it, it's not for them. A second viewing is somebody who is seriously now thinking about buying that house. Yeah. Um, maybe they looked at it and their partner didn't, and now they're bringing their partner back to see it. Um, maybe they they really like it but it is amazing how much of of 
a property we don't remember after we've left it. Yeah. I mean, I used to go into show homes day in, day out. I mean, I'd get a question from a, from a customer on, on the telephone and they'd say, so which side of the room is the airing cupboard on? And I'd be like, I don't no know. Idea. I go into this house every day and I can't think yeah. of it. And, and it's the same for a customer looking around a house. Well, again, I know this friend of mine that's trying to buy a house, I think she's viewing eight properties today. Um, and the chance of remembering everything out of all of those properties and then making a, a good decision is going to be very challenging. Very difficult. So she's going to have to sift it down to yeah. a couple which she likes. I mean, I hope she's taking photos. <laughs> I'm sure she will be taking yeah, photos. Yeah, I think that's the only way is take photos on your phone and 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 try and make mental notes about each one because they are they are going to blend into one yeah absolutely they will okay well when we come back we're going to talk about your company very shortly just very quickly tell what's the name of your company and the Stephen Northrop my name um as uh, n-o-r-t-r-o-p um and powered by exp so i'm part of the exp group okay Fabulous. We'll be talking about that fairly shortly. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the state of the housing market at the moment in the main, which I think would be really quite interesting. Mm. Love can change the world in a moment. But what do I know? There's that cheer in there, and what do I know? It's Richard Boverson here until 12 o'clock. Today, you're listening to Radio Bath. So we're back with the lovely Steve. Hello, Steve, again. Hi. How are we doing now? We're good, thank you. Good. Thank you for all those tips. It's really well, quite interesting. You know. It's really good. Doing my best. You are doing great. Uh, and if anybody does have any questions, it's studioradiobath.com. Uh, so if you want to message us on there, it could be anything about estate agency or about kind of anything you'd like to know about estate agency or selling or buying a house. But we're going to talk now about the housing market in the main itself. So um, so a really easy question to start with for me, but a difficult one probably to answer. And that is, what makes house prices rise or fall? It's simply supply and demand and 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 in the last oh last four or five months demand dropped a little bit because of interest rate rises um after the 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 debacle in in government at the end of the year and since christmas it's been picking up okay. ever so slowly ever so gently and slowly and 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 kind of how it's quite nice when when the property market gently gently moves upwards rather than rockets which it did in the in, in the most part of 2022 yeah so i suppose you want to balance really don't you you do the ideal situation which never happens is that <laughs> prices steadily rise and people's earnings steadily rise with them and their ability to get mortgages stays fairly constant that would be the ideal scenario but that that simply doesn't happen so the market tends to go in a cycle uh, uh, you know, one moment it's it's absolutely flying and then it goes down and then it starts to pick up again and and so i think it ever will be and i suppose the change in mortgage rates has had a major yes. impact on it yeah. so you know i mean i'm guessing somebody trying to get a mortgage right now would be not a great time to get a new mortgage well strange enough the lenders still very much want to lend so there, there is still a capacity for people to borrow money it's not going to be as cheap as it was at the beginning of last year when mortgage rates were at a historical low and and yes at the latter part of 2022 they did rocket you did get a, a, a sudden huge rise in in mortgage rates since then they've pegged back um so you still can get you can probably get a mortgage now for four and a half okay percent yeah, so I mean, looking at a hypothetical version, I know you're not a mortgage advisor. I'm definitely and, not. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I'm guessing that you know, if you were going to get a mortgage now, you'd try and fix it for a short amount of time if interest rates are due to drop. I, I think probably a two year a two year fix would be good. You could even follow base rate at a moment. I think right. you. Um, but as you say, I'm not a <laughs> I'm not a mortgage advisor. I'm not a financial advisor, and. I do know good ones who you can speak to, um, and I'm very happy to put you in touch with them. Oh, go on then. Here's the most awkward question then. Okay, are you ready for this question? Yeah. Now, I've, I've, read, I've read online, I was looking at this on, uh, on questions to ask estate agents and the most difficult questions to ask an estate agent, and I'm going to put you on the spot now. So here's the question. Do you receive any commissions if you recommend somebody? Well, it does vary. But oh, here we go. Gen- here's, the, here's the justification. 
It does vary, but generally, yes, we probably do. If, okay. we're, if, we're, if we're recommending somebody, then there's probably some form of back scratching going on, but not always. Not always. No. I've, I've recommended solicitors and you get nothing from solicitors. Although there are some solicitors who will pay a small commission. Um, financial advisors do tend to give a little bit of commission. Whether the actual estate agent's going to get it or whether their company gets it is another matter. Okay. Oh, nicely got out of, I think, that <laughs> one. <laughs> Very good. Um, so regarding buying and selling a house, um, is now a good time to buy? Um, I would say yes, now is a good time to buy. It is, it is still a buyer's market at the moment. The the, the, the people who are needing to sell who are on the market are probably not getting as many people through their door as they would have done last year this time last year so if they really need to sell then they are more likely to listen to an offer at the moment okay so and obviously not doing stupid offers but you can do yeah stupid offers just makes people dig their heels in yeah absolutely Uh, a sensible offer a point of negotiation and hopefully both parties end up being happy with the position we get them to. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when we bought our house, which is 10 years ago now, um, and we put an offer in, we felt like it was a fair offer and they felt like it was a fair offer. And then when we went back and did multiple viewings afterwards to check on things, it was a really lovely relationship. And I suppose if you do a really stupid offer, then each time you go back, it's almost a bit awkward mm, for people. Absolutely. And, and the other one which I think vendors dislike the most is the renegotiation so offer made and accepted and then the person comes back later and reduces the amount they wish to pay for the house i think that tends to go down very badly okay well we're gonna have a little break for the news when we come back we're going to actually talk about your new business and kind of how traditional estate agents go versus kind of online estate agents as well so uh, back after this At some point, we had to put in songs about houses. So uh, that's the first one. So that's Madness and Our House. We've got more lined up. We've literally been playing on the system now, going, right, what songs can we do to, to can we do with houses? So, uh, so yeah, that's what we've got coming up. But uh, that'd be fine. Right, we're back with Steve then for the next hour or so. Um, so we're talking about estate agents, and he's just set up his own company. So uh, tell us about your own company. Why did you set it up? Okay, so I've been working for as I said earlier on, various estate agents for quite a while now and thought, I can do this myself. I really can. And with the power of internet, I think anybody can set up on their own. As long as they've got a bit of experience, I think it's a difficult thing to go in without having done it in a a high street branch. But anybody can set up. Um, There are various companies who will help you with that setup, and and that's what I've done. I've joined a company called EXP, and they give you the reins to to run your own estate agency business. So are there licenses or anything like that? Is that what part EXP does? Well, there are. I mean, you do have access to the likes of Zoopla and Rightmove, which which they allow. They they give you the infrastructure behind you. Um, They help you through all of the licensing stages and, and joining the property ombudsman scheme um which is difficult for me to say uh, <laughs> very well and set up your um uh, your, your public liability insurances uh, so, so they guide you through all the stages and they don't let you loose until you have everything in place okay and once once you've got it in place then you're can you can go and do it in your own way so what is the benefit then so let's look at the traditional online scenario you've got your fronted shop with all your houses on there and you've also got everything that's online as well and then you've got somebody like yourself so why would i as a buyer or a seller come to you well i think 90 percent of people now do their house hunting online they they will log into right move they'll log into zoopla on the market um They'll log into each of those and they'll look for their property online. The days of going down to the estate agents on the high street are very limited. I think the only time I really look in estate agency windows is when I'm on holiday. Okay. And when you're on holiday, you have a look and see how much it would cost to live here. Yeah. Uh, and I think a vast majority of people are the same. So you don't need that shop front anymore. Um, the customer is looking online. 
they can get to you online. And because I don't have to pay rent on a shop, I don't have to pay staff to man a shop, I then don't need as many properties to make a living. I can, I mean, I'm, I'm anticipating having no more than five to ten properties at any one time on okay. the market. So I can give all of those properties the individual attention they deserve. So the, the vendor is going to be better looked after by an online agent. Um, and, and I think the buyer is going to be better looked after as well. My vendors will be given WhatsApp access so I, they can send me messages whenever they like. They know that I'm going to be in the office from 8.30 till 8 in the evening. I'm going to be available. So they've got an agent on hand all of the time. They're going to get the feedback they deserve from their viewings. um, We're going to work together to make sure that the the property is marketed in a way that they're happy. Um, But with my advice, obviously, as to to what works and what what doesn't. So it's a a bespoke approach to a state agency. And do you still provide like the the booklets for a house? Property details, I still will provide those. Yeah, bring them along to viewings. I'll post them out to people if they really want them because some people do like, still like to have that that thing in their hand. But even the estate agents these days do not post out hundreds of property details through through the mail anymore. When, when When a property goes live... It gets sent out via email. It does. It tends not to get posted out. A few people who don't have email perhaps do get a hard copy, or people phoning in saying, "I really want a hard copy." But they will get posted out, and I'll be doing exactly the same. So uh, I was reading on your website. Uh, remind us of the website again, very quickly. Website is Stephen Northrop with no spaces, so there is a double N in the middle. dot exp. dot uk. dot com. Okay, and that's where you can find out all the details about... You will find out all the details on that. Have you got properties on there at the moment? There's not any at the moment. I've literally... This is my first week of, of launch. Oh, wow, amazing. So, so I'm, I'm just beginning. So if you want to be first on, <laughs> special deals available. Yeah, and the commission rate of just 27%, I believe. 27. <laughs> very, very reasonable terms of commission, <laughs> I promise you. So, you know... Offering a bespoke service is what I was reading on there. So why is that important? Why is it important? Because selling a property is, is, is the biggest sale you will ever make. Your house is your biggest asset. Um, it's not like buying a pair of jeans, but in my experience, some people take longer choosing a pair of jeans than they do choosing a house. But it, it is important that it is presented and sold in the right way and i will guide people through all of that i can offer all sorts of services that the high street agencies can't do can't afford to do um because i'm only going to have a few properties to to market at any one time so what are are those then well twilight photography i mean it's it's really popular at the moment and tends to turn up on the very high-end property brochure details um where come and take the photos in the evening as the sun goes down because people have all sorts of nice lighting in their gardens and you know you get a nice atmosphere and an ambiance which we'll capture um and and put onto the brochure work and onto uh, and online also drone photography um you know that's becoming more and more ubiquitous so i'll be offering drone photography as well okay uh, I've never owned a drone, so it scares me a little bit. Yeah, they're they're fun. I mean, I've only got a little one, um, which which, which is within all the legal limits, but they are are very effective and they are quite powerful now. Very good. And what sort of area do you cover? I am Bath, Bradford-on-Avon, Melksham, Trowbridge, and I'm dabbling with devices as well. I I, I like devices, so those those are my main focuses and have you have you ever heard trowbridge called trovegas i have heard (laughs) trowbridge called trovegas i've heard it in the office yeah we we, i I live in trovegas myself so uh, (laughs) so, it's 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 the phrase i always use is it's much better than it used to be (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's got a cinema complex it has yeah i i think trowbridge is great no i like trowbridge and it is easy access for yeah, everywhere. It's it's yeah. a it's a very good place to live. I know mm. lots of people considering moving there that would never have considered moving there before. So absolutely, um, and there's some there's really nice areas of of 
of Trowbridge. Yeah, and there's always nice areas of every place and always some unusual areas of every place as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So, um, so regarding your business then, so I know we spoke earlier about you showing people around or the vendor showing people around. How, what's your feelings on that if somebody did want to do it? If they really want to do it, then it's their house. I mean, as I say, I take a consultative approach and we will chat things through. I will advise but if they think that they can do it and and they they really believe that they'll sell it better than i can then then that's fine by me it is their property after all and we can always try things it's always worth giving things a go see how they feel see how how it goes uh, and and take it from there but my advice remains that it's better for the agent to do it if if the person can stand back. Same with photographs. I mean, generally, I'll go out and do the photographs, but I can't be there every single time the sun comes out. And we had a house with my previous employer where every time we went there to take the photographs, we had a a white, grey sky. They obviously lived there, and one summer's evening, the sun came through the trees and dappled the house, and it looked amazing. And we used their photograph, and I'm, I'm not precious about things. No. I do the write-ups as well in the, in the brochures, and you know, I think I, I write good copy. But if the customer thinks I've missed something out or would prefer things phrased differently, then I'm more than happy to, 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 to go with their write-ups as long as they're not doing property misdescription. Well, I had the pleasure yesterday in a marketing meeting I was taking part in of uh, observing OpenAI, which I don't know if you've come across that yet or not. I've Um, heard of it. It it was frightening, Um, frighteningly good Mm. uh, in regards that we just typed in um, Ciroc Bath press release and it wrote a press release that was immaculate. It was brilliant. And it did it in about 12 seconds. Mm. Um, And it was about a page worth of press release. It was like... I'm out of a job, really, in marketing in lots of ways. Yeah, my colleague Jane, who introduced me to EXP, and she's running very successfully in the Corsham area, um, she she had a had a go with it as well, yeah. and and said it was yeah it was scary what what was produced, and it, it wrote a poem and everything, and it was mm. like that poem's really good. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it was really quite weird. Yeah. So social media then, how, how much does social media get a play in the estate agency it these is days? Becoming increasingly important. More and more people, house buyers are on Facebook, they're on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. They're all very popular platforms and and becoming increasingly popular in the in the sale of properties. And and I think a majority of buyers are on Facebook and do purchase via Facebook and TikTok is coming as well <laughs> but the TikTok generation are just starting to buy houses I suppose so yeah so I've got to I've got to learn TikTok because <laughs> I don't have a clue at the moment <laughs> you and me both we, we both know it's called TikTok yes and that's about where yes, it ends yes so. I've heard of it on the news <laughs> No more than that. Something to do with the Chinese. I don't know. I've I've no idea. It's uh, my children all know about TikTok, but uh, but yeah, not not me personally. Mm. But uh, but mm. there we go. Um, well, we're coming back. We're going to listen to some funny stories about estate agency. Okay. So, uh, which I know you have plenty of. So, here's a bit of Prince and When Doves Cry. Switch both on here until midday today. Now, not wishing to plug anything else, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, I was listening to a podcast with Colin Murray from Radio 5, and he does a podcast called Midnight Meets. And Susanna Hoff, who is the lead singer of, a t- of, uh, of The Bangles, he did an episode with her recently, and it was a fascinating interview. So if you do get a chance to listen to that, it's Midnight Meets with Colin Murray. So he's plugging another podcast, but there we go. That's life, isn't it? Right, we're back with Steve. Uh, we're going to listen to some funny stories now about estate agency. So first question, what's the strangest house you've been to then? Oh, no, I went into one quite recently, which... Um I think someone had had some sort of breakdown in, I think, and it it, it had been bought by um, one of those companies who make offer, uh, ridiculously low offers for properties, emergency sales, um, and 
then they send an estate agent in to go in and see what it would be worth if it was done up. This house still had um, animal cages everywhere. There was painting on the walls about demons coming to get them. And mm. it, was, it was quite a disturbing house. And because all the stuff was in there, I didn't know whether... The, the 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 owner was still in the property or not as i went round so went round very nervously um uh, opening doors and and just hoping that i wasn't going to find some crazed person waiting behind that door did so, you yeah. say the phrase of is anybody there I think I did. At one point, as I went upstairs, I went, hello, hello. And but there was, it, it, was, it was empty, but yeah. It was empty on that occasion. Gave me the chills. <laughs> Literally. Mm. And, and what about pets? How are pets when you go around? Oh, my goodness. Um, I've been selling a property um, with my previous employer where there is a cat that um, the, the vendor warned us that they do attack. Uh, and bite and bite hard right um so go and do that viewing with trepidation and yes the cat does jump out from under the bed when people come in to do the viewing um then uh, also dogs that run um been many times i've been running around a housing estate trying to find trying to get a dog back into its house because the vendors (laughs) vendors are out left the dog there I open the front door or the, you know, let the customer in and the dog just sees its opportunity and bolts. Uh, that's happened a couple of times, once in Bradford-on-Avon, once in Warminster. And I've been working in Warminster up until now and uh, Warminster is very close to Longleat. And is, yeah. quite a lot of Longleat customers used to buy or sell their properties through the agency I worked for. And um, one particular house, they had what I called a killer fish. I think it was a, a cobalt blue or something like that. I can't okay. remember the actual name, but I was warned by the, the vendor that this fish lives in a, in a fish tank upstairs, um, but it is amphibious as well. So it can get out and live on dry land for quite a while. And it was venomous and it bit. Um, so they used to pile books and weights on top of a fish tank to 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 try and make sure it didn't escape. And uh, I was told that if if we walked in with the customers and found books and weights on the floor and the fish tank open, to abort the viewing and make a very swift exit. So uh, luckily it didn't happen. But I've, I've just had a quick look online about what a cobalt blue fish is. And it looks quite pretty. <laughs> It's quite, it's quite a pretty fish. Well, this one didn't look particularly pretty. It just looked quite vicious in the tank. It did look at you as you walked up the stairs, I, I promise you. But anyway, it might not have been a cobalt blue, but it was, oh, okay. it was, it was, it was, it was um, yeah, killer fish, we called it. Oh, hang on. Sold just, the house, sir. Uh, you sold the house? That's we did sell the house. I've just found another picture. It wasn't, it's not quite so pretty as the previous cobalt blue fish. So, <laughs> I, guess, yeah, I guess. I guess there's cobalt blue goby. Serious fish, apparently. It's, uh, yeah, quite dangerous. Mm. So, yeah, don't be eaten by a fish. No, no. <laughs> they used to have a huge cage in the garden of that particular house as well. For, they said it was for their, their dog. But when I went round inside the cage, this massive cage with, like, industrial-sized bars, there was a, a Jack Russell. Oh, nice. Was it doing the jumping up thing? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how high they can jump. They're, they're brilliant at it. Bouncing dogs. Yeah. They're fabulous. Um, talking about dogs and cats and everything, gardens. We haven't spoken about gardens at mm. all. So how important is a garden? I, th- I think a garden, um, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, outside space became paramount, mm. I would say. And it's still, it's still there. People now do want that outside space. During the pandemic, people who lived with their parents desperately wanted to get out of their parental home into a flat. People in flats wanted somewhere with at least a balcony or, or a garden, etc., etc. So pe- the, 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 the craving for your own space and for your own outside space became really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, still, it's still there now. And, and a nicely presented garden is fabulous. If you do have a dog, it is best to, to, to make sure you clear up before visitors I suppose that, come. that leaves a kind of a foul smell, doesn't it? Exactly. Really? I mean, you don't want them walking it back into your house. Not after. so much. No. no. Yes. Come and visit our garden. Please come back into the house. Or oh, what's that on the floor? Yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, remind us of your website again, please, for me, Steve. Okay. It's Stephen Nortrop. 
www.exp.uk.com. Now, every guest that comes in on a story to tell never gets away with the quick fire round. Uh, so Stephen does kind of have some idea of what the questions are beforehand. Uh, but in the quick fire round, he's no idea what the questions are going to be. So, uh, so yeah, we'll be coming back for that after this. There's Country House and Blair. It's Richard Bobson here until 12 o'clock today. Just 20 minutes to go. It's, time flies by ever so quickly all of the time. So we're with Steve now for the final message or the final link, I should say. And it's our quick fire round that we do every time. The questions haven't changed. Mm-hmm. If you've listened to any of these before, you might know some of them, but we'll find out what it is. The first one is always my favourite question, always. And that is, what is your favourite ice cream? Really good quality vanilla. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah boring, but that's... I just love, I mean, not cheap vanilla, proper good vanilla. Proper vanilla from Cornwall. That's someone. Don't know why I did that accent. It's a <laughs> terrible accent. It really is. But uh, there we go. Uh, are you tidy or messy? Uh, messy. What does your wife say? Definitely messy. Definitely messy. <laughs> why are you messy? I, don't know. I try not to. I really do try not to be. And, you know, ex-colleagues at Northwood, etc. will tell you, but I spread. My, my desk spread. <laughs> What is it? Clean desk, clean mind. Yeah. Other people say a messy desk, a clean mind, because you've put all your mess on the desk yeah. and therefore your mind is clear. I think I've got a messy desk and a filthy mind. So. Well, let's move on from that <laughs> moment. <laughs> Do you love or hate roller coasters? Um, I'm, I, I, I like them. I don't love them, but I like them. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time you went to a fairground or fairground like Alton Towers or something oh, like that? It had been Euro Disney and it was quite a, quite a while ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I really like, I really like the, um, yeah, the roller coasters at Disney were, were really good. Do you know, I have a memory of Euro Disney. So I've, I've only been there once. And it was a long time ago. And uh, my, my wife at the time, she was very scared of roller coasters. And uh, we were in the queue. And as always in you know, these types of places, you're queuing for quite some time. And uh, they had a bit where you were walking along. And then you saw the roller coaster doing a loop the loop moment at the end of this kind of queue part. And I'd managed to somehow avoid her seeing it because she was petrified <laughs> of it. And we've been queuing for about an hour or so and then at the worst moment she turned around and just saw the loop the loop moment yeah. and we immediately left oh. <laughs> i never got to go on that ride great queue though it was a great <laughs> I, I enjoyed queuing i really did but uh, yeah it's an hour of my life literally i'm i'm never getting mm. back so uh, right excluding social media and messaging um is there a game on your phone that you play and yeah what's your well i one? do wordle every day okay wordle every every morning it's that quite is a common one that is my my start starter for the day okay and um i play golf on my okay which golf game phone. oh gosh um golf king i think it's called oh yeah i've played that and 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 then sort of candy crush type things as well Anything to wind away the time. Yeah. 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 My wife will tell you I'm addicted. Are you? I uh, know. It's yeah. awful. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I think I know the answer to this one, but um, not in a weird way. Uh, do you make your bed in the morning? Uh, no, because I'm out of it first. Oh, okay. Good answer. I like that answer. Therefore, your wife's still in bed. Yes. Okay. She gets breakfast in bed. <gasps> oh, okay. And, and then I get to work. Ah. That's very nice. That's a good. That's the nicest answer I've had so far. Mm. I like that one. Uh, what's your favourite breakfast? Then talking about breakfasts, uh, scrambled egg, scrambled eggs, any yeah, particular and flavorings? bacon. But I am on a diet at the moment, so okay. breakfast is a bit of a, you know, a lot of things which I really like have have, have gone by the wayside for okay. a while. Well, scrambled eggs is a good breakfast to have. Mm. Although I did hear a phrase once that a uh, fried egg was more healthy than a scrambled egg. Mm. And people go, why is that? And the reason being, is my understanding of this, is that a scrambled egg, because you've mixed it all up, uh, can actually soak in all of the milk and the butter and everything that you put in there. Whereas a fried egg, because it's still a solid surface, actually the butter and everything and the oil Just falls off. The oh, so therefore a fried egg okay. is actually healthier than a scrambled egg. There you go. Top tip. So you can have fried eggs for breakfast. Perfect. Um, what is your go-to karaoke song? Um, I am going to say Oliver's Army by Elvis Costello. Okay. Or um, I really like doing Jailhouse Rock, Elvis Presley. Wow. They are challenging songs. You can obviously sing then. I used to be in bands many, year, many, many, many years ago. Okay. And what did you do in the bands? I was the singer. You were the, the singer. So, yeah. so this might be the first one. Are you going to give us a... No. A, no, no. Okay. <laughs> 
It was worth a try. I, I, I was, I've just come back from holiday and I did do karaoke. And it was that awful question. And my, my wife encouraged me, shall we say, to do it. And uh, it's like, right, what song are you going to sing? And you go, oh, man. Yeah, I asked this question on my radio show. What song am I going to sing? Yeah, I ended difficult. up singing uh, These Are The Days by Jamie Cullum. So it was quite, okay. ja- quite a jazzy type yeah. track. But, uh, and apparently I wasn't too bad. Okay. So that's the... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did, I did all right, apparently. Uh, Favourite current TV programme? Well, we've just finished... I mean, we're behind behind but we've just finished watching happy valley which oh okay was, or, were fabulous as i like to call it unhappy valley yeah yeah we absolutely loved it um race across the world i think is probably the one we're enjoying a lot at the moment do like travelogues okay so yeah race across the world race across the world and who's got who's in that one well it's it's um no no celebrities okay it is uh five or six couples at the moment they're chasing across canada from one side to the other um, they've got a budget which is the same amount but it would cost to fly first class across Canada and they have to go to various checkpoints en route and they've got no internet so they have to just ask locals and hitchhike because oh, wow. they don't have the, the funds to, to, okay. to hire cars or anything like that and it's, it's a race across the world and the one who does it first gets £20,000 wow it's a race across the, the world the scenery so is amazing a message from my wife there we need to watch race across the world yeah. so I remind myself of that one and your last question then Steve thank you so much for coming in by the way and that is if you came back in your next life as an animal which one would you be and why gosh a dolphin oh haven't had a dolphin so far ah. tell me why a dolphin I just love dolphins. We we were in Mauritius last year and um, swimming with dolphins out in the open sea. You know, they weren't captive. They amazing. were wild dolphins. And, and yeah, an amazing experience. And, yeah, I'd love to be a dolphin. You'd love to be a dolphin. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to kind of think in my brain now am i now going to do my dolphin impression because apparently i, I do really quite, want you to do you? Well, let's, uh, i can't believe i'm doing this on radio but let's let's see if i can get my dolphin in, i'll probably go tongue-tied literally but let's see that's, there we go there's my dolphin really impression good. for you so this is high quality radio i think Absolutely. we are we are literally the only thing on radio we could right have now. done the whole interview in dolphin <laughs> oh thank you so much for coming in today Stephen. remind us again of your website please Stephen nortrop no spaces dot exp dot uk dot com fabulous thank you so much for coming in we've really enjoyed having you in today i hope you've enjoyed it too i've loved it thank you very much richard and uh, we'll see you again very soon thank you thanks a lot bye-bye <laughs>